Motivation, Central Station, Grandpa, Jim, how are you all today? Are you aspiring? Are you achieving the goals you want to accomplish? If not, I want to be your coach. I want to be that person that, you know, cheers you on and gets you to the mountaintop. We can all use a positive voice in our ear. Most people's habits fall apart, you know, because uh, they try to do it alone. And there's so much evidence when you surround yourself with positive people, um, any of you that are struggling with an addiction or bad news, you need to get around others like-minded. Why? I don't know, but it, <laughs> the evidence is there that it works. And so uh, in I work in social work and we always uh, go where the best results are evidence-wise. And so, um, you know, um, join a group, you know, talk to people that are you know, struggling or join that exercise group or, you know, it will only benefit you and empower you in your life. Uh, This weekend, me and my wife are taking on a little special project to give my son and his girlfriend and their daughter. She is six weeks old. She's just a beautiful, gorgeous little cutie. Um, And uh, we want to give the parents a respite. Uh, when we were younger, we were very young parents. We were living on our own at a very young age, and we had nowhere to turn. My wife's an orphan. Uh, she was orphaned by the t- age seven. And if you want to learn strength from a person, you need to get to know my wife. And if anybody had a reason to complain through life that they've been robbed and things didn't go well, it would be her. But she never has and she has a strong inner strength and she really values life very preciously because when you lose somebody that early in your life you don't take anything for granted um but so we're giving them a respite so if you have a friend um a friend a family member that could use a little break we all need a break You know, we all need some relaxation in there. We all need rest. We cannot just keep going full speed, chasing the American dream. We need to slow down, smell some roses, and take in life every once in a while. Uh, But I know most of you are tuning in today uh, because you read the title of this podcast. We're going to talk about Ken Kratz and his sexual addiction and I just did a podcast not long ago on Ghislaine uh, Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein and their sex addictions. And I also did uh, some t- one on um, Ghislaine Maxwell's uh, narcissism and how it, it you know, influences people. We're going to talk about that with Ken Kratz, too. Um, hopefully you're familiar with Making a Murderer. And this case, Ken Kratz was the prosecutor that put both Stephen Avery and Brendan Dassey away for a very long time in our state prison system here in Wisconsin. And, you know, uh, if you lived here in the state, you would have to understand that Stephen Avery was convicted of a rape 
in the 80s, I believe, uh, early 90s, somewhere in there. And then he spent a long time in our prison here. And then he was exonerated uh, by DNA evidence on that case. And even when he was exonerated, a lot of the public in general wasn't too sure about DNA and what is this new technology? Is it real? Is it reliable or not? And so um, Stephen Avery was one of the first people to get exonerated, especially here in our state of Wisconsin. And he turned into a statewide story and who who uh, wouldn't have... Uh, feelings of empathy for somebody that was wrongly convicted, right? And had 18 years of their life stripped away. Um, And then so he eventually becomes a uh, kind of a little uh, Wisconsin type uh, notable person because he's on the news a lot. He's doing stories about you know, how glad he is to be back with his family. He is, uh, there is a bill that's drafted in his name that, you know, uh, that this shouldn't happen again. And uh, eventually they would strip his name off of this bill um, when in uh, 2005, a woman that worked for a publication called Auto Trader uh, Teresa Hallbach, who was a photographer for this magazine. This magazine was uh, pre-internet days, so um, now today you can Google search any car, but at that time, a really great way uh, for anybody that was trying to sell a vehicle, whether it was private parties or dealerships, they would list them in this uh, Auto Trader magazine, and um she was a photographer, this, so sometimes she would do uh, individual cars at uh, people's homes or, you know, dealerships or the, you know. And then, so, uh, Stephen Avery, she goes missing, and Stephen Avery just happens to be one of the last people to ever see her. And so, um, speaking of Ken Kratz, so... When Ken Kratz comes on TV, you know, everybody knew Stephen Avery's name. I know when I saw this uh, interview live, I was watching the news myself. And when Ken Kratz came out live and said uh, that Stephen Avery and his nephew raped, tortured this girl. And you have to, uh, one thing I've learned since 2015 and I watched the documentary and I've been following the case as much as I can. Um, the evidence never points to Stephen Avery or Brendan Dassey, like never. And uh, in Brendan Dassey's case, his younger nephew got convicted of being a partner in crime on this. Um, there was no evidence to collaborate a story. Usually, when uh, somebody gives a uh, statement of uh, this wild, crazy, uh, scary fairy tale that uh, Mr., uh, I shouldn't even say Mr., uh, a nine-year-old uh, cognitively 
he was 16, but he, he was very cognitively challenged and um, they pressured him into this crazy story confession. And then nobody, nobody went out to go collaborate any of this evidence because one, I don't think that they knew it didn't exist. So why go out and try to collaborate it? Because uh, Stephen Avery had a $36 million uh, lawsuit against the city of Manitowoc for wrongly convicting him before. And so we're gonna take this kid. First, they tried to zero in on Avery's girlfriend and she wouldn't co- co- uh, cooperate with them. So they eventually uh, go after this young person and they know they can mold him and uh, get, that, get it to fit their story. And uh, so you go back to this horrible news conference when everybody's sitting down for dinner and the first words that Ken Kratz says is uh, anybody that uh, knew that Teresa Hallbach, anybody that has children, you know, you want to get them out of this room before we begin this, you know, we begin the details of this Stephen Avery, Brendan Dassey case. And then he goes through this whole thing about how they tortured and tied this woman to the bed. Never been a stitch of evidence to support that. Uh, Her DNA supposedly took place in a uh, mobile home that Stephen Avery lived in and they could never even find They said she was chained to this bedpost. They couldn't find any evidence of even a scratch on the headboard. They couldn't find her blood in there. They couldn't find uh, hair. They couldn't find fingerprints. Um, And believe me, they went through this house over and over again. But I don't want to get so much into that. I want to talk about Ken Kratz and the lens that he used through this trial with he's admitted... um, There's a videotape with him standing at a podium. He got uh, caught abusing a victim. She was an abuse victim. Her boyfriend was, um, I believe, physically abusing her. And Ken Kratz was supposed to defend her and prosecute her boyfriend. And he starts hitting on her uh, through these text messages. And my mind is like, Ken Kratz, how many times did you do this when you weren't on the job, right? So we, one thing we know about sex addiction is that it grows over time. Um, he's also admitted to having an opioid addiction you know, to painkillers, right? So with sex addiction... Um, then he's ad- admitted narcissist too. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that in a second. But with opioid addiction, that could have happened after the trial. So in 2010, uh, five years after he convicts these two of this scary fairy tale conviction, um, he, you know, gets busted for. You know, trying to, you know, well, number one, anybody that's a professional, whether uh, it's law, social work, healthcare provider, 
there's a code of ethics. Like the code of ethics is one, you you would never text something sexual to somebody. Um, you know, you're not gonna, you know, it's a professional relationship. It's not, uh, you know, it's predatory behavior on his part, really. And though these are just coming to light. So how much stuff, you know, when he wasn't a prosecutor and, you know, um, you know, through his school career, I would like to see more people that knew him in his past. Uh, so, but the problem too, with a lot of people with addictions is they isolate. They don't want to be around a lot of people. Um, so the, one of the big characteristics of somebody that has, uh, sexual addiction is, uh, fantasy. You know, you build these uh, scenarios in your head and it distracts you from life and what's really going on. There's certain emotions you might not want to feel. So you're going to fantasize about, you know, this thing that'll take your mind off of, you know, what's ever bothering you and you don't have to face reality. Um and so when you go back to this news conference, you're looking through the end of a lens, you're looking through the lens of a sex addict, and then he's also admitted to being a narcissist and diagnosed, you know, these, you know, it's, he, he put it out there, like he was officially diagnosed, that's part of his HIPAA record, and he put it out there that this is what I've been diagnosed with. And so then you got somebody with a nurse that's a narcissist. And, you know, I talked about this with Ghislaine Maxwell and Jeffrey uh, uh, Epstein on another podcast. So you might want to check that one out to get a little more information about these disorders. But some of the things of the narcissist are a feeling of power that they're above everybody else. They need accolades. And so when he's, he knows that when he goes into this case, he knows that it's going to be huge because, you know, he was, Stephen Avery was exonerated. All that press that when he was exonerated, he knew all that press coverage was going to come to see this guy that got released, that he re supposedly re-offend it, of course that's going to bring a lot of attraction. He wanted to win this case at all costs, not for the sake of justice, for the sake of his narcissism and his, uh, you know, reputation. And then we see, too, after this is all over, what a house of cards he had and his character, you know. So, um, so... That's why I think, too, that this trial was so wrong. I mean, he was uh, they were convicted in uh, public court first. And you have to remember, this newscast, it wasn't like they just showed it the one time <laughs> that it was on television. No, they kept showing it and showing it and pounding it down. You know, it was a great sensational story. And, you know, news outlets need to sell advertising. And the more people they can get on their channel and, and show the ratings next week, they can get the the bigger fish in the marketplace to advertise on their channel. So, you know, so they, they pound this image into Wisconsin's head 
And there's so many people to this day that won't even look at evidence uh, in this trial. They don't want to hear about it. They're just guilty. Throw away the key. And um, there's some people, too, that, you know, uh, a gentleman the other night on Reddit was saying, hey, this is the law, you know. Yeah, it's the law, right? But when you're in the shoes and you're convicted wrongfully, it's a whole different outlook. It's a whole different story. And so, uh, you know, I wanted to bring in that on Ken Kratz and how skewed that was. And, you know, I wish Ken Kratz well. I really do. You know, I work with people in recovery and I see people that have committed crimes and, you know, uh, there's a thing in philosophy. The biggest sinners can become the biggest saints. And I'm hoping when Stephen Avery gets his retrial and things uh, go forward, he can come clean and set himself free. The truth will set you free, Ken Kratz. You know, you don't have to fight tooth and nail to the end, you know. You can let it go and and be a human and and get these guys out of jail. So I also want to talk about Trump and Ghislaine Maxwell, right? So we know Donald Trump, every time he comes to the podium and it's a crony or friend of his, and the press asks, well, how do you feel about this case when majority public opinion is like, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell is a pedophile and she is a narcissist and she fed um, Jeffrey Epstein young girls that were underage and substantially underage, like 14. Like, you know, most kids are uh, figuring out middle school and going on to sophomore year of high school and just trying to navigate from being a young child to, you know, going into the teen years and you're feeding this man, these people, most people wouldn't say uh, when asked, and Trump was asked about Ghislaine Maxwell, how do you feel about her? He says, oh, she's a good person. You know, from what I know of her, she's good. And she's going to be all right. That's a dog whistle. That's a dog whistle like, Elaine, you keep your mouth shut on me. And, you know, maybe he will, uh, you know, wink, wink. And, you know, like he did with Roger Stone and some of these others, you know, that he pardoned. And so, uh, you know, stay tuned for that. It'll be interesting. There's also some stuff out about Ghislaine. And there were some court documents that when Jeffrey Epstein was first convicted in Florida, that some of this stuff was sealed. Uh, she had made some statements. There's fear that there's people's names on this list, some celebrities and stuff with uh, that might be tied to this ring of um, children and uh so time will tell. We'll have to see what happens with that. But um, I wanted to shine some light on this point of view. Um, the guilters tend to think, people that think these two are guilter, 
that it's just cut and dry, but it's not that way. You would need to put yourself in the other person's shoes. Uh, in the meantime, ooh, that felt good to vent a little bit. Uh, you know, people are teapots. We all need to get that anger out. And so if you got a good friend you can take that stuff to, that's awesome. But I'm looking forward to the weekend. We're going to spend it with our newest granddaughter and, uh, you know, give our kids a little bit of respite. Maybe there's somebody you could do that for. Maybe there's somebody's lawn that needs to be cut. Uh, maybe you could do somebody's grocery shopping for them. And then, uh, you know, today when you're out there, uh, try to give a smile to everybody you see. Have a wonderful day and uh, we'll be back soon. Uh, you know, if you like these types of broadcasts, please hit subscribe. And if you like the, uh, if you could share it, uh, definitely would appreciate it. And uh, so thanks for hanging out with Grandpa Jim on Motivation Central Station. Have a wonderful weekend.